0: Hello and welcome back to the Marvellous Cinema Podcast. I'm William Kerris Matthew.
1: And I'm your co-host Henry.
0: And we are back this week to talk about comic books slash movie castings or pairings between actors and characters that are just too perfect.
1: hmm
0: <laughs> We're back with the bang. Um, you may or may not have already listened to what we recorded last week with the great critic and The Common Man. Mm-hmm. We don't know if that's been released at this point. They, uh, they're they fully in control of that. I know that, that actually sounds like I'm being really snide with an insult. <laughs> um, that's, not, that's, not, <laughs> that's not what I meant. But yeah, they um, go check that out if you've got the chance when it's up. We did kind of curse the films that are coming out.
1: Yeah, because <laughs> I think we all said that uh, we're assuming 2021 will be fine. And then immediately mm. after 2021 was not fine. <laughs>
0: Yeah, second time we've done that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, we're,
0: back with, we're back with a run-of-the-mill topic this week.
1: Yeah, just a classic, uh, looking back.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, before we get started, though, if you'd like to check out more original content from us, you can find us on, on Instagram, at The Marvelous Cinema Podcast, and on Twitter, at Cinema Marvelous, we post reviews. At the moment, we're going through Disney Pixar.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know what the next one will be. It's, <laughs> um, the randomness of life <laughs> keeps it interesting.
1: Yeah, on your toes.
0: Yeah, on your toes. We do. We do do other reviews. So yeah, go check it out. We do it on the same thing. We uh, we also post our thoughts every now and then.
1: Mm-hmm. Just random some, thoughts. I think yeah,
0: random. Some of them are s- even film related.
1: Yeah, some of them are <laughs> just about cars. <laughs> yeah, we don't even know what cars are like, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> uh,
0: should we get should we get started then? Uh, yeah. Sure. Would you like to, uh, to start with yeah. one casting slash combination thing?
1: Um, okay, I think I'll go for, I think, I guess it isn't very comic booky, but at the same time, it's definitely an iconic role. Oh, yeah, um, they,
0: they don't have to be comic books. That's just like a yeah. frame reference point thing.
1: Mm, yeah, it's. I think I'm going to go for Keanu Reeves as John Wick. Oh, interesting. Because I think... I think like Keanu Reeves is a very interesting actor. <laughs> um he's had so many ups and downs in his career. Um he started out quite strong as being a, a comedic kind of car- car- yeah, what do you call it? Car- caricature actor, uh with Bill and Ted. Um and then from there it's been very it was very hard for him to get out of that sort of one one note role. And Having him be in such films as Speed and The Matrix, and even some of his weirder um, acting scenes, such as uh, the Dracula movie where he has an English accent, <laughs> uh, um, he takes, he does, he's been trying, and he sometimes is being succeeding very well. The Matrix and even some small dramas like My Private Idaho, which he's very good in, um, but I don't think it was until John Wick where I f- felt like I saw. Keanu Reeves be given a character that was perfect for him. Um, I think there's something about the script of that movie and all all three movies but especially the first one I think um, that is just perfectly in tune to Keanu Reeves' ability to act, kind of have a one-note performance but make it but within that one note, somehow do a range of different things <laughs> um so you go from you know depressed you know depressed uh, person who's lost his wife to kind of slowly getting a bit more human to becoming a sort of monster character who's just killing everyone <laughs> to you know a a legend within the business of killers and it's all completely this yeah, I believe it, you know it's one of those I don't know and originally as well what's fascinating about the character is they originally were going to cast someone who was much much older like uh, someone in the 60s or 70s even um, to really highlight the idea that this is like a person coming back to the business after a long time um, but with, I just don't think it would have worked as well as Keanu Reeves especially doing all the training and stunts and mm. combat work with, that he did for these films and um, and there's something also, even comic booky about his appearance, which is so iconic at this point. Like the black hair and like that Keanu Reeves beard which has like that very weird kind of. He hasn't got any hair between his cheek and his like mustache. So it's like a. There's like two diamonds coming down at his sides. <laughs> and I find that. I find that's just like a really cool beard that I don't think I've ever really seen before. Um, but also like he wears like a three piece suit all the time and it's always. Like, a black tie, a black vest, a black shirt, a black suit jacket. just um, black! Just all of it. It's just, like, a completely, like, black suit at all the time. And it's such an amazing costume. And I think it's iconic for the character. And it's iconic having, you know... The suit is usually bulletproof. Um, and, yeah, it's just such a fascinating character to me because it's so... Could easily be this one-note revenge quest, especially for free movies that they stretch it out over. But... Him being the centrepiece makes that role so much more than it could have easily been. Um and yeah, I just I think that's like a perfect this a marrying of the two of this casting and script writing and it's the two two perfect uh um coming together of both of those things. Um yeah. <laughs> I love it.
0: I have to agree, I think it's just a perfect Coming together, I think it's up perfectly there, um, and I can't, I can't quite imagine anybody taking that, especially like you say, if it was somebody older.
1: Mm, I yeah. just
0: don't know how you would have negotiated that, and I would think... it have had the same effect? I don't think so. I think, I think you need you need somebody who is familiar with the action genre and the audiences are familiar with in that role.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: but at the same time, you need someone like Keanu who can do the sort of deadpan expressions that John Wick does the cool composed <laughs>
1: mm.
0: but yet badass and emotionally vulnerable
1: yeah yeah the sound <laughs> of the it's a weird uh, mixture of him and it's and again like you said that it kind of works in a meta way where, where we were used to in the 90s and early 2000s having Keanu Reeves be a very prominent accent star um, and he was like out of that genre for a while like a, a good decade I think of, mm. um, he was in a lot of small horror films, a lot of I think uh, you think, think he's in a lot of foreign films doing of Mar- lot still, but I don't think he was ever in a mainstream Hollywood blockbuster that was an action role so I think um, 2014 I think it was when everyone saw the poster for John Wick it looked kind of generic and kind of like a kind of like a, you know all those Bruce Willis movies where he's like mm. it's like a it, it target, a kill or whatever it is and it's just like <laughs> Bruce Willis with a gun looking really tired and he's just like oh he's still doing that role I guess uh, <laughs> so it kind of had that vibe and he, even when I saw in 2014 as a little 40 year old kid I thought ah oh, it's Kenny Reeves I like him just let him do what he wants I, don't, I didn't really think much of it but then I remember this it was definitely a word of mouth popularity sort of thing because I didn't go see it in cinema I had no want Neither to do that yeah see. and and then I understand that everyone not even this internet like people in my school Every once while, people would score. You seen that John Wick movie? It's fucking really good. <laughs> yeah. and I was like, yeah, I think, "What?"
0: Yeah, I think the only one I've seen in cinema is three. Yeah, the only one I've seen in yeah. cinema. I actually watched the other two just before it because I watched mm. sort of John Wick on a, on a limb. and I was <laughs> like, "Oh my god, it's pretty good."
1: Yeah, it's pretty great. And um, mm. I think I saw yeah I saw the second one in cinema because I was already I was I was all I was all in at this point. Um, mm. And, yeah, I think John Wick's a weird franchise as well, because I think it's, that first film has something very special within it, and I think the sequels I sometimes like more than the first one, but at the same time, I kind of go, well, it kind of loses the heart of the story, which is the dog and the wife dying, and it kind of becomes a bit more Mm world-building. So, the sequels to me are always a bit like, I think I like them more, but at the same time, do I? (laughs) Um... (laughs) But either way, I think the whole, all three of them are great. Um, mm. But yeah, that's my opinion. on Keanu yeah. Reeves.
0: Keanu Weaves. Keanu Weaves. <laughs> that's the, that's what he does when he's face with gunfire. He weaves.
1: Keanu yeah. Weaves. Duck and Weaves. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, do you like to move on to the next one?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: sure. I'm, I'm going to go with the big one. Oh. Right, I'm going to jump straight in. Hugh Jackman, Wolverine.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, and this is also a bizarre one when you consider that Hugh Jackman physically isn't like Wolverine in the comics or any other Wolverine before
1: yeah
0: like Wolverine is is typically a really short bulky guy Mm -hmm. Um, you have Hugh Jackman who is you know in excess of six foot (laughs) absolutely strapping strapping gentleman
1: (laughs) (laughs) a handsome Hollywood star Mm-hmm.
0: Who, again, at the point in which he was cast, he'd done some Australian TV things and he was more of a musical guy.
1: Yeah, he wasn't even like an action person at all.
0: And all of a sudden he gets cast as this Wolverine person <laughs> with claws and, you know, goes around scowling at people with the wacky hair. <laughs>
1: I love his hair, especially in the first three films. It's
0: legendary as well. would it surprise <laughs> you if I told you that it is, as a result of Kevin Feige, that that hair is as it is?
1: <laughs> really?
0: Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, it's, it's sort of like the start of Kevin Feige's Old Rise to Power.
1: Mm-hmm. He was yeah.
0: working as a, a producer's assistant, I think. And it was one of the first things he was on, and he was brought on. He... He, he knew I think he knew X Men, but he didn't like hadn't like read them all. So he quickly read a load of X Men comics, <laughs> and they wanted to make his hair normal. I think.
1: Oh, okay. And
0: Kevin Feige was like, "No, you have to, you have to do that.
1: <laughs> you got to commit. <laughs>
0: commit. You got to commit. You got to do it." And yes, yeah.
1: uh...
0: one of the many things we have to thank Kevin Feige for.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how much he Jackman's great in that role. That he has that hair the entire first trilogy at least, and I never want to think twice about it, really.
0: <laughs> I know, you never think, oh, it's not like, a, it's not like Ronin in Endgame, where you're sort of thinking, mm. it doesn't necessarily take me out, but you sort of think, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whereas with your Jack, one, you, know, you never never cross your mind that this guy's hair is something out of a Pokemon program.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it really is, yeah. It's like an anime haircut. <laughs> <laughs> it is.
0: <laughs> um... But, yeah and you know he, he did everything he could not as well like considering he's, he's doing an accent as well like it's not his, he's not his natural accent
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: and he just takes it on and the way he sort of continued it ever since in that yeah'm I'm, I'm, I'm Wolverine
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: because you know you see I'm pretty sure he references it because he hosted one of the Oscars I think
1: he did yeah
0: and they did a big musical number and he referenced it in that and have you seen um have you seen that in the museum three.
1: No, I have not. Have you not? No, i seen it first. Have you not heard about this cameo? No, no.
0: Really? No. <laughs>
1: what so happens?
0: Night of the Museum 3, set in London. Right. Um, and so there, there, I think it's. I can't remember what the, the museum is. And basically, one of the exhibits runs wild, thinks he's actually Lancelot, is in true Night of the Museum fashion.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and he basically runs off and he runs into a theatre. And on the theatre the stage, you have Hugh Jackman and... i forgot on the actress's name. Bear with me one <laughs> second. I'm going to Google it.
1: <laughs> Eve, we
0: need to know. Eve, Eve, Eve something.
1: Eve? She oh. was
0: in the first Star Trek. The J.J. Abrams Star Trek.
1: Oh. Um. Um.
0: And she's in that film that Chris Evans directed.
1: Oh, I do know. I mean, all the theater I still don't know her name.
0: Um, I am D B she's a good actress. She's really good. Yeah, she's in loads of stuff. Hmm. Um. What's the film? Before we go, that's the film. Alice Eve.
1: Alice Eve. There we go.
0: That's the name. But yeah, she. Um, those two are on the stage and they're both performing. And the guy, the the runaway exhibit enters the stage, and Hugh Jackman's like, "You have to leave." Um And he, in an in, in an attempt to make him leave, he does like the Wolverine stance, you know, like sort of bending down with the arms mm. stretched,
1: yeah, growling, <laughs> yeah.
0: It's a really odd moment.
1: That's, that sounds like a fever dream.
0: <laughs> it is. It's, it's really weird. But yeah, he's not. Basically, I've forgotten what we we're talking about. Basically, yeah. <laughs> we lost it. <laughs> Basically, he's not he's not afraid to embrace it, which is always great.
1: Mm, yeah, are you just disappointed that he never got to wear the yellow outfit?
0: Not massively.
1: Hmm. I think I. am. I mean,
0: it would have been nice. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah, it it would have been better than better than that black latex stuff from the, X Men trilogy.
1: Yeah, I think that's the thing for me, is that I don't particularly mind him not wearing it, but instead of that, wearing constant black leather or like black mech mech armour in the days of future past is like, just anything else.
0: (laughs) Mm, It's like, just sort of, you've gone for the hair, and you've gone for the dude with big red vision (laughs) laser coming out of his eyes, why not just throw a little yellow in there?
1: I know. And then, like, in the third movie, I think they put in, like, yellow highlights into the black leather costume. I'm like, that's not... That doesn't fix it.
0: <laughs> if you're going to do it, do it.
1: Yeah, just commit. God.
0: Yeah. <sighs> so, yeah. Um, how would you feel if Wolverine got recast with somebody else?
1: I mean, it's... To me, with comic book movies and comic book anything, really, I always think that a recast or a reboot is inevitable. I just think, at some point, we're going to get it, Um the MCU has found a really kind of clever way of doing it, which is, you know, kind of making the superhero title into like a mantle that you can pass down. Mm. Um, so I always kind of just think, in 10 years' time, Captain America's going to be a different guy and Iron Man's going to be, you know, just someone. I I just always think now nah, about comic books, so I never really I never really get too uptight about it. I just kind of think, as long as the next person doesn't just recreate the, the previous uh actors uh, attempt then it's that's okay for me. That's all I really want. Um but Hugh Jackman he he is like the original kind of iconic aside from you know a few other people just before him but he's like one of the first of the superhero boom to like be iconic from the get go. Um, mm.
0: Yeah, I think he's one of I think maybe following on from maybe Christopher Reeve and Toby Maguire in that he is the first person to really be famous mm. and go hand in hand with the comic book role. Yeah. If you know what yeah. I mean. It's difficult to explain. Because obviously his career, he's one of, the rare, one of the ones that is oddly strange in that while he's iconic in that role, he hasn't been defined by it.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. There's definitely a lot of actors that are just that one character.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, so some of the ones I've noted down, which we might we might get to later, people like Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who you know, famous for a certain role. That role has sort of defined their career.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Whether it be actually doing that character time and time again, or doing a character that is virtually a carbon copy.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But I feel like he's one. It's it's odd in that he's one of the most famous ones. Yeah, it hasn't dictated everything because he's still done a load of musicals, he's Lame Is, he's done at Showman.
1: Yeah, I think it's odd to think about Hugh Jackman and realise that. I imagine, like, for the first five years of X Men movies, he was known for being the angry action hero star. So it's weird that even me as a kid who only knew him as Wolverine didn't really find it strange whenever I saw him in a different movie playing somewhat completely different. Like, The Greatest mm. a great example. The Greatest Showman, that's a good musical, and he's absolutely not Wolverine in that movie. Mm. <laughs> um, but you still great in it, and I don't really have trouble disconnecting the two. Um, mm. Have
0: you seen that um, Bad Education?
1: Um, I don't think so, no.
0: No, he's, he's really good in that as well. It's, again, it's a completely different character to, what, to either P.T. Barnum or Wolverine. Mm. But again, he nails it.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was also a school teacher before being an actor wasn't he
0: yes he was wasn't he
1: because there's that one video of him on like a press some sort of press thing and he he goes to an interviewer, and he recognises him from school being one of his students
0: <laughs> yes oh yes I remember that
1: and that's just like imagine you, one of your teachers was Hugh Jackman but like pre-Wolverine and then one mm-hmm. day you go to see X-Men
0: <laughs> yeah it's always all of a like oh Hugh Jackman a guy called Hugh Jackman has been cast as Wolverine like wait a minute <laughs> show me a picture <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Um, yeah. And also one of the other marks you could have is that he's somebody who has shone in the role, regardless of the quality of the film.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> because he's he's still excellent as Wolverine, even in the X Three or in um, Origins or even Apocalypse.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I
0: often, I often think he's one of the best parts of that film.
1: He is, and it's somewhat, and... it's somewhat like distracting how good he is because <laughs> it's, especially in Apocalypse, where he turns up and you go, oh, it's the one character that's really good in this franchise, <laughs> and he's there for like two minutes, and yeah, it's kind of a, 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 kind of a dual thing of in that franchise of, you've just nailed this one character so so well but you're just barely scratching the surface on everyone else, mm. <laughs> um, which is really annoying for the most part. Um, but yeah, mm. he's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you got another one? Um, yeah. Um, I think my next one, it's going to be, it's hard to even say that this one's even an acting role, <laughs> um, but I'm going to go for Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt. In oh, yes. Because... Yes. Like, I, like I just said, like, is he even acting? <laughs> 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 I think Ethan Hunt, the Mr. P- Possible main character, is an interesting character from beginning to end because you never really find out who he is until like, this fifth or sixth movie. Um, in the first movie, we know very little about him. We know that he has parents somewhere that are being threatened. <laughs> um He's kind of a, a young, hotshot, kind of Top Gun-style character who's the best at what he does, but he needs to prove that he's the best by the end of the movie. Miss um, Possible 2 is kind of like a reboot, almost. <laughs> um, he's just a different character. He's like James Bond, but American. Um, and then the third movie, all of a sudden, he's like this grounded family man <laughs> who's, you know, kind of just... Uh, all the sticks it very personal. He's very much a loving person in general. And in the fourth, fifth and sixth movie, I think especially, kind of nailed the character and kind of made it all work pretty well in the sense that it kind of becomes that Tom Cruise and Ethan Hunt are the same person. <laughs> um, and this the behind the scenes kind of Tom Cruise wants to do this crazy thing, even if it, even like not even the big, the big obvious stunts, like even the small things, he just wants to do some crazy thing in between scenes, I guess. And... It kind of parallels how the character has been written inside of the actual movies. Um mm-hmm. I think I think even though it's not my favourite Miss Fossil movie, I think my favourite Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt moment of just this is this this is what this character is boiled down to its core. It's this moment in the fourth movie where he's in this car with um one of the teammates and a nuclear bomb's about to go off and he's gotta go get the codes from this Russian uh, nuclear scientist guy. It's all very, very well handled by Brad Bird, the director, and there's like a moment in the car <laughs> where the the teammate goes, um, he goes like, oh, and the bomb's gonna go off in three minutes, and then someone says, um, literally, like mathematically, logically, geographically, uh the drive from here to the place we need to go to to stop this is like seven minutes long. It's like not even possible to do this. This we've lost. The music even like goes a bit like quiet for a bit and kind of just lets them have a moment of we failed um and then Ethan Hunt Tom Cruise just kind of almost looks at the camera and goes we'll make it we'll make it <laughs> <laughs> and, keeps, and then guess what he does make it <laughs> and it's it's I think from that moment on that character has always been perfectly clear to me which was especially the sixth movie was I think I think it's probably my favorite action film of the twenty twenty tens 2010s maybe um and it kind of, the entire kind of backbone, moral kind of thematic tie in of that movie is, can Ethan Hunt sacrifice uh, the one life to save a millions, and the answer to that question by the end is, Ethan Hunt will choose the hardest way possible to do one simple thing. He will not let anyone die. <laughs> um, he will make sure everyone lives, even if it takes them, you know getting onto a helicopter and fighting a man midair and then landing and then you know climbing a cliff face and then just in like one second getting the bomb to not go off um and again it narrows that Tom Cruise kind of craziness um of just yeah we'll do it we'll do it don't worry we'll do it (laughs) it's kind of that and I just love it and as much as Tom Cruise is kind of quite averse behind the scenes for Especially in, especially in, like, the late 2000s, I think, which was his Scientology years, which was... At bad, Tom Cruise,
0: the Scientology years.
1: <laughs> his, his new autobiography. Um, but, yeah, he's, I just love him as a a force of, I don't know, filmmaking, I guess. Um, Absolutely force of nature. Because he isn't just an actor to me. He's kind of just like a... He's a person who has been producing his own movies for quite a while now, and his movies... For the most part, not all of them, there has been, you know, The Mummy, which was a movie that happened. Um, but on the other hand, I think when it, most of the movies are some of my favourite blockbusters that have been released in uh, the the years that they came out. in Because they was so, you know, just like elemental and kind of physical and kind of grounded and real stunts. And there's also this is like a tangibility whatever he does. And even Hunt is the perfect embodiment of that tangibility but also that craziness of this I keep on saying it but it's perfect to sum up of like we'll do it, we'll do it, don't worry, we'll do it. <laughs> um but yeah, I just love them. And that this role is perfect for him. Um yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I have to agree. <laughs> the sheer determination on that man and Ethan Hunt. <laughs> you just can't compare.
1: Yeah. It's it's not oh uh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, would you like to move on to another one?
1: Yeah, sure.
0: I think I'm going to go for the one that inspired this topic for the mm. podcast.
1: Mm. Okay. Uh,
0: recent film, um, or a recent instalment,
1: Yeah.
0: and that pick is Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman slash Diana Prince.
1: Mm-hmm. We've angry. talked about
0: this a little bit.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I say a little bit, we've talked about it quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> She is perfect in these films, especially Wonder Woman A4. Yeah, you know we, we've just put our review up on Instagram and Twitter for, for the film. Needless to say, we both loved it.
1: Yeah, we. I think we're in the minority here, but we definitely <laughs> have strong positive feelings. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, um, for someone. She's an actress that has both a weird career. Hmm. And um, it's come up as a connection star, sort of under the radar almost, before she was cast as Wonder Woman.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I think you probably, you'd probably have been more familiar with her because you've watched the Fast and Furious films, whereas I haven't.
1: Yeah, it was so weird when I, I was watching Wonder Woman, like the first one that came out. And for the entire time, I had, did not realise for one second she was in the Fast and Furious movies. And then like on TV, I saw like, maybe the fourth Fast and Furious movie or fifth, whatever. And I kind of just went... Oh my god, Scarlett! <laughs> <It's Calcadull. laughs> <laughs> it was weird. Yeah,
0: um, but yeah, I think she. I I also feel like it's weird, and I feel like she's actually grown as an actress over the course of these films. You you can watch that. Mm, yeah. Which is is great, anything but Wonder Woman A Four, she is
1: perfection. Yeah, she's amazing in that film.
0: The range, of, the range of emotions she's able to convey, even when she just. Sat at a table on her own,
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: just, just you know, just sat there, <laughs> looking yeah. lonely. Which yeah. I mean, yeah, it sounds simple, but how many, how many times have you seen it fail?
1: Oh, so many times, yeah. And
0: <laughs> um, as well, the the emotional beats of that film are one hundred percent made by her. Well, not not made, but one hundred percent enhanced by her and her performance.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I think, I don't know if you want to mention spoilers for it.
1: Yeah, maybe like skip a few minutes if you're going to, watch woman woman 84?
0: Yeah, just spoil a few minutes, but like I was say the moment where she says goodbye to, to Steve Trevor and renounces her wish. It's just the facial expression, the way I sort of, her face contorts and her, her voice and as she runs away, that's what
1: got me I think. I think it was the moment I mean, it was all pretty I think for me, the, the behind-the-scenes directing choice from Peter Jenkins or the cinematographer, I guess, might have been the moment that got me f- f- at the beginning was how Steve Trevor, we don't really get, like, a clear last shot of that character. We kind of just follow Diana running away, Diana, Diana running away from him and he kind of just mm. goes into the background. And I feel like that was a beautiful kind of way of showing it, where it wasn't just we, the audience, get a scene from one, one last time. We are. But instead, we're going to be with Diana as he runs away, and he just kind of goes to the background, and we never see him again. Um, I think that's a beautiful choice. But I totally agree that the moment where her face kind of contorts and she renounces her wits, and then I think for me, the the key moment was when she's running and beginning to like beginning to sprint, mm. um, and she kind of just like screams <laughs> for like a good like two seconds. <laughs> and yeah, it's just, like the like moment. You... Sorry, yeah, go on. It's just like a moment of like, yeah, I, w- I would too. Don't worry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's just, she screams and as she speeds up to a sort of normal Wonder Woman speed
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you realise that it's worked and that Steve's gone.
1: Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Uh,
0: um, I also think that some of the more traditional aspects of Wonder Woman she's also pretty good at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I feel like she has the voice for it which sounds odd
1: yeah i think she has the voice for it. i think there's something about um in general her presence is kind of um from the get-go it has this kind of um i don't know what to call it i guess like a, a confidence about herself even though mm-hmm. this is all even though we where where the context behind the scenes of her kind of um you know losing losing steve being alone for so many years and even in the first movie, kind of being so naive, she kind of has still that confident kind of aura around her. Um, so when, like, we see her and Barbara interacting, there's just, like, a instant strong contrast between the two. And mm. then they become closer through that one conversation that they have, that key conversation that I have. Um, and instantly you kind of, in, in Gal Gadot's performance, you can see, like, the... The layers of that usual Wonder Woman esque confidence, like being peeled back to reveal kind of a just a lonely person. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great.
0: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it's probably her in that role is probably one of the for me. I don't know if it's the same for the people, but for me, it's it is one of the best comic book castings, hmm. and not in the regard in that she does everything that. You'd expect from someone playing Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. but also that she really makes it her own.
1: Oh yeah, I definitely. feel like
0: it's often the differences between the comic book counterpart that set her performance apart. Yeah,
1: well, not necessarily this... the
0: difference, but you know the aspects that the, the actor adds, like like the fact that Hugh Jackman, yes, he isn't the four foot eleven version from the comics, but that doesn't matter because you know he owns it, and I feel like Gaga yeah. does that, and I. Honestly, now, I could not see anyone else in that role.
1: Same, I couldn't either. I think it would be strange to, and even um, and I guess still in full territory here, but the post-credits scene with um, Linda Carter, mm. that even kind of highlighted to me how as much as she's, I haven't watched very much of her in the Wonder Woman, uh, Wonder Woman role, instantly like kind of a difference between her and Gal Gadot's performance. Um, yeah. One just felt a bit I don't know, something different about Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, that to me is just a bit more I don't know, just layered and kind of Mm. uh, unique and I think, like you were saying there um, I think it is the the differences between the comic books and the actual actors portraying the character that make them iconic Um, Mm. and I think the perfect example is kind of films like, I mean yeah, Wolverine but also um, and I'm sure we'll probably get to it more in depth but um, Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. like that character in the comics at that point was not um robert downey jr's interpretation um robert downey jr's interpretation was very much a downey jr interpretation (laughs) Um, yeah
0: it was very much robert downey jr
1: yeah and then through that the comic books changed to accustomed to him um so i think that's the the key ingredient for what a great performance and iconic performance is within the comic book genre like they Mm. have a there's like a reverb effect in the actual comic books.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like it's not just, it's not just doing what's expected in a way.
1: Yeah, Yeah.
0: it's doing something that makes different. Because at the end of the day, if if you see a character in a film and she and she or he is literally the same as the comic, what's the point? Yeah, kind of. It's... I mean, obviously, the, there's still the, the the appeal of going, "Oh wow, we've we've got this character," but if you're interested <laughs> in sort of taking it to another level. You've got to have that difference and the the best ones have that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And I think it's, I think there's a lot of um, satisfaction in having a comic book accurate portrayal. But not a lot of, usually, I'm not saying all the time, but usually I find there not to be a lot of depth in that. There's a lot of kind of, oh, they did the thing, that's really cool and I'm satisfied by that. But it isn't a lot Mm -hmm. of like, wow, this is different, this is unique and this is, doing something different with the core material material of the character Mm. Um, but yeah Gargador is that example for me you know perfect (laughs) yeah do you
0: have uh, another one
1: to Uh, yes (laughs) so I'm going to go for one because thing is we said iconic roles but we didn't necessarily say good, iconic roles. <laughs> so I've, <laughs> I've picked a role which I think, for me, defines a certain actor who I <laughs> hate. Who I hate. Um, what pick, it going to be? <laughs> I'm going to pick Mark Wahlberg as Cade Jaeger in Transformers 4.5. <laughs> um, okay, so to me... <laughs> to me... <laughs> This role is iconic um, because it's such a. Sorry. It's <laughs> because. That's be <laughs> right. Right. With Mark Wallberg, right. In general, I don't like this man very much. <laughs> um, anything he says, or whenever I see him in an interview, I always kind of just groan and kind of go, "Oh my god, he's still talking." Um, <laughs> but. So something about um, Transformers 4 and 5. And I've only seen the fifth one like once, I think. For some reason, the fourth one's always on TV. Um, I don't think I've seen the fifth one. It's bad. like the one where Optimus
0: goes evil for a bit.
1: Yeah, and it's like the nice at a Round Table for a bit.
0: Um, oh, oh, that's the one I saw the first 20 minutes of and decided I had enough.
1: <laughs> good, good. That's what you should do. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's, I don't know. If anyone hasn't seen the fourth, fish Press Awards movie, you yeah, have no idea who I'm talking about. You probably know more of but the character mm-hmm. of Cade in those films, But it's just an amazing name, by the way, but also...
0: Cade <laughs> Sounds
1: like a beer. It, it does, no, doesn't it? A,
0: it? sounds like a mix of a beer and an energy drink. <laughs> can I have a, can yeah. I have a Yeager, please?
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it does.
0: Or, and... or, one last thing, or something you drink at the gym.
1: It's definitely like a protein ship. <laughs> um, and that character is like, he's meant to be like a, a down-to-look, like, smart inventor who's making uh, te- technology things that are going to push the world forward and he's going to become mm-hmm. famous and rich for these pat- pattern, patented um, things. Um, but the direction by Michael Bay and the script by about 10 different screenwriters and then and on top of that Mark Wahlberg just Doing Mark Wahlberg impression somehow um, is is fascinating to watch because there's so many moments where it's like is Mark Wahlberg aware that his the way he speaks can sometimes just be a joke in and of itself, <laughs> like
0: the, the whole character for me it's like it's like they decided you know what let's let's do a mix this to be brilliant let's do a mix of <laughs> Dick Van Dyke from Chi Chi Bang Bang. <laughs> and The Rock
1: <laughs> yeah I guess so that's what they're going for <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's this moment in Transformers 5 especially that made me it still makes me laugh now when I think about it is this um, after having a tough day as on the job of being a Transformer Octopus Prime is kind of like defeated and he's kind of like I'm about to be killed by all these different robots and I've betrayed all my friends and I've 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 heard Bumblebee, and all this, and there's a moment where Mark Wahlberg, who doesn't really have that, have that much of a relationship with Optimus Prime to begin with, is kind of standing next to him, and Mark Wahlberg, in his amazing performance, just goes something. just goes, "Look, look, Optimus, look, we're buddies, all right. We're buddies, all right. And you, you know, you know who you are. You're a great, you're great all about. You're the leader, and if you don't, you don't do this, we're all gonna die." And from this, Optimus Prime goes, "You know what?" best friend, Cade Yeager, you alright? And, <laughs> and then he becomes like a badass hero who kills everyone in his way and kills Megatron for the fifth time in this, in this fucking franchise. Um, he and, kills Megatron for the fifth time. Because <laughs> he does. And <laughs> and <laughs> and, <laughs> and like it's like an amazing <laughs> moment of like Bay I don't know if you even think this is working because I can't see how you can think this is working. But the score has like, this upbeat, not upbeat, but like, kind of an emotional swelling up of, like, oh, this, this is an epic moment. This is Captain America and Tony Stark, like, reconciling the differences. This is this is that level of conflict being resolved. And, like, the music's swelling and the cameras, like, for once is slowing down and the sun is, like, sunny and it's, like, lit on half his face. And it's, like, this low glow and there's, like, a CGI particles in the air and there's... And it's just like Mark Wahlberg <laughs> in the middle of it, just like doing a terrible, terrible performance. Just be like, Artemis, Artemis, come on, come on, you know, we're, we're, a, we're a good guys here, and we've got to kill the Technicons because we're not the bad guys. Just <laughs> and they're like, what are you saying? <laughs> um, and I'm not, even, I'm not even doing it just as a how bad it is in that moment, but it's just such a, uh, it's such a perfect casting. <laughs>
0: look, look, look. There's an audience for these films.
1: Oh, there is. That's I mean, they get billions of dollars every time. So, yeah. someone is watching them, invest yeah. in them. There's an audience. It's just There's not a, us. It's just not us, and I don't think. And also, I do think he's iconic like, in that role. It's not for a good reason. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, do you want to move on? We can do. <laughs> we okay. can do.
0: Um, oh, I'm just going to look at my list. I book out. Right, where do we go from here?
1: Where do I'm we go, go from here?
0: Um, I'm going to go for... a Pirates of the Caribbean one. Oh. But not the one you're thinking. I think I know. I'm going for Bill Nighy as Davy Jones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew you just stuck this one.
1: <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs>
0: um, Bill Nighy's been in a lot of things, especially if you've watched British films, if you're in Britain. Yeah, you see him everywhere. <laughs> you know, he usually, sort of Miranda's on, mm-hmm. sort of waving his arms about as he does, being off chill.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. Obviously, he didn't love actually Love him in that.
1: Yeah, he's in but... high Potter for a bit. Did he? Yeah, he's like the prime minister of Wizarding for a bit. <laughs> oh, was he? Yeah.
0: Wow. Didn't know that. Wow. See what I mean? <laughs> he gets everywhere. He does. <laughs> um. Before. Uh, not before time. Um about time.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: it was about before time.
1: <laughs> I believe
0: it. He's one of the eternal the eternal elements of this universe. He is, yeah. But for me, the one that, you know, I think's probably his best performance for me, and a character that he really makes his own, is one that you don't even see his face for. Mm. Yeah. And who is oddly such a departure from his more famous roles. Mm-hmm. You know, of being a chill and be a rock star or whatever. And even though you, you have, you, know, you can't see his face, you know, it's, you're talking CGI from around 2010, which, by the way, is brilliant for 2010.
1: It's amazing. It's I can't remember
0: exactly, but you know, from roughly around then.
1: I think it's 2006, maybe.
0: Is it even really? It? Well, it, it's phenomenal, I'd like to say that. It is, yeah. Most of the scenes in these films are pretty good, especially considering the time period. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's just the voice. <laughs> it's just it's just the voice, you it. It's just legendary for me.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah.
0: Like, if, if I was to hear only a few words, I'd know, boom. That's David Jones.
1: Yeah. So Even if you hear Bill Nye's voice, you still go, that's not David Jones, though. Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's like,
0: just... It's like, So you're watching About Time, and you just close your eyes and, oh my god, (laughs) Dumbledore Gleason's dad's David Jones.
1: (laughs) Um, They're on a ship somewhere.
0: (laughs) They live on the coast.
1: Mm, Yeah, they do. In
0: fact, isn't isn't that big emotional flashback scene them going to play on the beach?
1: It is, yeah. It could be uh, a pre-David Jones, um, what do you call it? Oh yeah, David Jones, that's an actual name, isn't it? I think I get about the backstory sometimes about that character. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, um, and it's just also the way that like much voice acting. I mean, I think this is a general thing of any any good example of voice acting. Mm. It's being able to get the emotion in it. Mm. Because obviously it's all about the voice. It's focused on the inflections. You can't really use your face. We well, you can't because nobody can see it. <laughs> but and just to have the level of emotion that you get from these Pirates of the Caribbean films, like whenever he's you know being angry, storming about,
1: mm.
0: a verbally and physically abusing Will Turner, <laughs> compared to when he's like on his own with the the big organ, yeah, and he's with the locket or whatever, and he's spitting and dribbling and. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I've turned it into a, co- a comedic of slash insult, but it's not. It's, he's really incredible.
1: He's amazing, yeah. I in think those he's, films, I think he's quite underrated in the grand scheme of villains. Of like a perfect, um, iconic villain.
0: Oh, he definitely is. Like when you, when people when people talk about it, and they talk about a hands yeah. group or whatever,
1: mm-hmm.
0: this guy should be on that, any list like that. He said, "I'm be, not yeah. saying he necessarily should be top, but he's definitely within you know, your top ten.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. He
0: does 100% deserves to be talked about more.
1: Yeah, I think it's amazing how much he was able to do with his body, even though it was all, for the most part, digital effects and makeup. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think one of my favourite things about him is that he's always kind of standing, um, kind of like leaning forward. Mm-hmm. Um, there's rarely a scene where he's not, like, kind of, it almost in someone's personal space too much. (laughs) Um, And also, I just love the way he... I don't even know if... It might be just a little effect, but I don't actually actually know. But um, every once in a while, he'll, like, in the middle of, like, saying a sentence, like, click his head backwards, almost. (laughs) And it's just, like, a weird, like, kind of um, uh, manoeuvre. And it's just, like, an offsetting thing because he's, like, talking about, oh, well... We're gonna do this thing and kill the thing, and in half view, he was like click his head backwards. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's so good. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, that's yeah. Do <laughs> <laughs> you want to another one?
1: Uh, yeah, um, I think my next one uh, is. I think it's gonna be uh, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn.
0: Ooh, I've completely forgotten about this one. Because... Oh my god, how did I forget about this?
1: Because <laughs> I think I think for me personally, it's kind of a, a proof concept that um, if you just give the same actor a better script, then they can actually nail the role. Because <laughs> um, I think, for me personally, I think you agree, is Suicide Squad's not a very good movie. <laughs> um, it's not. And I think Harley Quinn suffered in that because... It's weird because Suicide Squad is a movie comprised of a lot of characters, but only about two or three of them are actual characters that are experiencing any sort of growth or flashbacks or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Margot Robbie Harley Quinn is kind of a character that gets some help from the script, I guess, sometimes, but the film doesn't really do that much with her um, by the end, especially, where she just, you know, reverts to her usual self. Mm -hmm. Um, But and from my coming out of Suicide Squad for the first time, it was very much... I think uh, Robbie is really good in the role. I just think in this movie, it was like a one-note impression. Um, yeah. But going forward to Birds to Prey and even to seeing some footage from the new Suicide Squad film by James Gunn, there was immediately a difference between how I perceived her character in the last film compared to now, where that one-note impression kind of became her own... Margot Robbie version of the Harley Quinn character um, mm-hmm. and I think that uh, Birds of Prey especially, be- especially becomes kind of like the the perfect breakup movie <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of like that and I think having that character be the centrepiece the to that film and having Margot Robbie for the most part drive the whole thing forward was an amazing choice for that character and I think it's, at least for me has cemented her as one of the, you know, comic book amazing iconic just perfect um, um, casting choices um, and like like I said I think it's just proof that sometimes all the acting uses a better script <laughs> um, to make it their own um, would you agree
0: 100 percent she really has more time to shine in birds of prey I think if if you would if you were to, if I was to give one positive, From Suicide Squad, the one strength that film has (laughs) and is enjoyable is the characters. I feel like you have a good core, Mm. or a a decent, at least, core in in the actress' performances and to some degree, sort of the character design, other than the fact she is massively over-sexualised in Suicide Squad.
1: Definitely. To a
0: ridiculous (laughs) extent.
1: There's so many weird shots in that movie that make me generally look away. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: it's just it's borderline in fact no it's not borderline it's a bit, a bit perverted
1: it feels icky
0: <laughs> mm, yeah it does mm. and to have it sort of that aspect completely disregarded for Birds of Prey is a massive plus anyway yeah, yeah. the fact that you know she's actually there and treated like a human being
1: yeah she's like she's definitely the main character this time around and therefore you know what we see her actually you know what he does when she's by herself, and how she's kind of reserved, and how she's kind of a character who is devoted to one man, but even though that man is you know the Joker, <laughs> um, and her kind of breaking free of that is shown to be quite a, a genuinely well done arc, um, and also as well as the actor's performance is also the um, the kind of similar to Keanu, Keanu Reeves' side of it of like the the stunt performance. Mm.
0: Uh, yeah, one of the one of the best things to, from Birds of Prey, a film that we I think we both like, don't we?
1: Yeah, yeah, I love it. <laughs>
0: yeah, really like it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And one of the one of the major reasons for that is, as I'm sure you're about to say, is the action sequences, particularly the one in the police station.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's I I don't want to uh, I don't want to be too I guess mean it would be the word too towards modern CGI filled. Um, superhero movies are... You know, they have their their big third act battle or their big third act, you know, villain versus hero, but they're wearing the same technology (laughs) sort of thing. Um, But there was was something really, really refreshing about seeing a comic book movie in which the action was Harley Quinn gets a baseball bat and just does a John Wick style (laughs) kind of killing of so many people in such creative ways. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I generally... To this day, even though I haven't seen a film for like about a year now, I think um, remember almost every time every action scene and how they went and how they were framed and how they were edited, and especially how Margot Robbie as Holly Quinn and the stunt actress, um, you know, performed the moves. And it's I just want that more out of the comic book genre. I feel like Margot Robbie is bringing bringing that to at least the moves that he's producing in the DC universe. Mm.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, I I a hundred percent agree with that. And as well it sort of deals with what I mentioned earlier about adding something different as well.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: Because prior to this, it's sort of the main idea of Harley Quinn is probably from like your animated T V show, which I'm pretty sure is where she was she was born.
1: Yeah, yeah, she was created for the TV show.
0: Yeah. Um you have this idea of somebody who is effectively just the Joker's slave. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> you know, she, she has a very... She has the very... Um, the, the best I can describe it is in that kind of the Joker and Deck of Cards in like that mm-hmm. kind of outfit.
1: Yeah, I think the it's... The big
0: pointy hat things with the bells on the end.
1: Yeah, red and black.
0: Yeah, that, that kind of suit. And then to be able to go from that to a very strong character in Margot Robbie's Rav- Rav- performance, especially in Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. I feel like you, you've given new life to that. Not that she's, she, she doesn't have the strong elements in the animated series or the comics, but I feel like that's at the forefront for this.
1: I, I definitely agree. I think there's a certain... Because I have read, I think it was about 2015, I don't know why, but I think I read some of the Harley Quinn comic books that were about her, like mm-hmm. her actual mainline comic. And there are a lot of elements from the, uh, that comic, especially the... Uh the roller the roller um uh, the rollerblading. Roller what do you call it? Roller, roller rollerblading. Roller. There we go, is it? <laughs> yeah,
0: rollerblading.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of like just random elements to Harley Quinn and her life outside of the Joker storyline which is really, really cool and really kind of uh different and exciting and just yeah, it's kind of I i mean, do I don't wanna say wacky, but it is. <laughs> um and there's something about that character and I think as well, uh, like we were saying before, but having a difference from the comic book counterpart, kind of is her outfits like almost all of them are kind of like iconic, almost like Halloween outfits that everyone wears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's even though, like the Suicide Squad one. Ah, uh, the Suicide Squad one is quite this odd all around. <laughs> um, it was still like you know uh, iconic design kind of thing, and the Birds of Prey like uh, confetti jacket <laughs> is already kind of an iconic thing and. Mm-hmm. Even she has, the next suicide squad film has that uh, really cool like leather um jacket and jeans kind of mm, and co- yeah. co- and like it's just like a every outfit they design for that character is slowly becoming um that character that character's iconic look even though they change every time mm-hmm. um, same thing with uh Wolverine and Hugh Jackman I don't think the the white vest and the denim trousers were that much of a thing before Hugh Jackman. <laughs>
0: there probably weren't Um, (laughs) um, yeah I'd also like to point out um, that while I I think Margot Robbie's performance as Harley Quinn is perhaps the pinnacle
1: Mm.
0: there is the animated series which people seem to really love
1: Mm. yeah
0: and I personally haven't seen it it's one of the things I need to get around to watching
1: but um, have you seen it when I was a kid and I, I watched some of them again like Two years ago and they were very good.
0: I mean the um sorry, I mean there's the, the, the new series.
1: Oh no no no, I haven't seen it though. No. I thought no, you meant yeah. the Batman animated series.
0: Oh no, the um yeah the the new one, twenty nineteen, I think there's been a few series of it.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen that.
0: Yeah. Well people, people really love that and apparently um it's voiced by Kaylee Cook Oh
1: big uh Big Bang Ferry.
0: Yeah. And apparently she does a really great job as well. So hmm. I don't want to discredit her.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Do you? Uh, yeah. Was this your one or was it mine?
1: It's yours. Uh, oh yeah, it was mine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, am I right to go into another one? Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Right mm-hmm.
0: then. Um, I'm torn between a few right now. <laughs> I'm torn between a few. I'm gonna go. For, I'm going to go for one I've talked about a little bit before. Um, I'm going to go for Ron Perlman as Hellboy.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: This should be sort of a little short one. Um, but I have real fondness for these, these these, Guillermo del Toro films. I don't know if I've mentioned it.
1: <laughs> I think you have.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm, Ron Perlman's first and that is, it's a favourite of mine. Mm. Yeah. Again, I, I think we might have even talked about specifically his performance in the past on a previous episode.
1: I think we did, maybe.
0: I think we did. So I'll, you know, I'll, I'll keep it short. I don't want to repeat myself. <laughs> but just the way that there's such an enthusiasm and a combination of so many things in this performance, mm. it's not just like a big grisly, dark beast like the because the anim the not the animation the illustration style for the the Hellboy comics is very gothic, is the word, I think.
1: Kind of, yeah. I think it's kind of meant to be more actual monster-like than the actual movie was.
0: <laughs> mm, yeah. And yet, again, then you have this sort of very different version, played by Ron Perlman. And I just I just love sort of the blend of how many different things are in there. mmm all of which do come from the performance. I mean, it's well written, of course, but from the performance, you have this guy who's trying to be quite macho, yeah, trying to be tough, but at the end of the day, he's quite quite childish and there's a very yeah. sort of stinted development kind of aspect to it.
1: Yeah, he's kind of like uh, a kid who's yeah, been he's
0: like, he's be, <laughs> He's trying to be the kid's definition of manly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> like he's trying to impress uh, Liz. I've nailed it. I've got the name. I know yeah. last time I mentioned it, I struggled. I forgot what her name was, but I've got <laughs> it. It's Liz. Liz yeah. Sherman.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, yeah. And the way he acts in sort of their relationship and the way he... The, the, the quipping one-liner aspect as well is pretty good. Hmm. And as well, another thing that I can mention when we talked about Hugh Jackman is Ron Perlman's sort of dedication to doing this. Yeah. Like it's, again, I mentioned before about he was willing to go through the, uh, the several hour long makeup <laughs> process for to uh, you know go see a sick child or sick kids, which lovely thing to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a I always. To it. I always love those stories and for someone, especially like prosthetic, uh, prosthetic actors, have to you know they want they actually want to go out and do stuff like that. Mm. It's it's always really cool.
0: Yeah, it's it's a wonderful thing. So yeah, he's 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 on there on the list for me, really near the top.
1: Yeah. Um I think for me it's always kinda of like a it's amazing to me. I think a perfect example of how good he is is in that in the first film, um in the script I think they were too afraid to make hellboy the actual main character. So they mm-hmm. had the the secret agent character BR point of view character. And it's a very telling that from the get go as soon as we get to know Hellboy he's already far and away more likeable and interesting than an actual kind of main character Mm. (laughs) so in the sequel he's just like he's gone (laughs) because (laughs) the films the films realize that audiences already they don't really care about having a reason or like a a human um point of view on a character like that they don't really care (laughs) um so I think that's already like an amazing way to just put how great he was in that role like a weird, weird concept, especially for like 2000 and 2004, and four, two thousand and three, I don't know, the first one came out. Um I having check. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what it was. Um, but that was a period of time where people weren't quite on the comic book movie um, trend, you know?
0: <laughs> two
1: thousand and four. Yeah, so it was like, you know, we had Sam Spider Man one and two, we had X Men one and two, which are very much not comic booky in a lot of ways. Um, so people went... Oh my
0: was god, this is before Pan's Labyrinth.
1: Is it? Yeah. Pan's so Labyrinth then, is 2006. So... <laughs> oh, right, okay. I assume. Oh, that I, was, I
0: never knew that. I always thought this was after Pan's Labyrinth.
1: Yeah. I always assumed that he was famous for Pan's Labyrinth and then got this. Yeah, same. That's weird. <laughs>
0: what did he do before Hellboy then?
1: I think The Devil's Backbone. Oh, look. Kind of somewhat similar to Paz Lappers, but not really.
0: <laughs> yeah, the Devil Devil Mimic.
1: Mm. Mimic. She
0: directed, and um, yeah, the, yeah, Devil's
1: Backbone. I think he described um, previous. I think he said Hellboy was a very big turning point for his career because it was the first time he realised that he should really be pulling it away from studio management. Because um, yeah. I do think a lot of the, like I said, like the point of view character, the agent, and some of the, some of the comedy, and I guess some of the, the, the villain stuff, which is very much generic, well, I think plan, um, was a lot of studio kind of notes than actual Gil, uh, Del Toro, you know, uh, creative influence. So I think, I think from that point on, he kind of changed his way of approaching films, which is why Hellboy Two was just like a. It's a full-on Del, Del Toro film. <laughs> um, mm. And yeah, I just think, yeah, I totally agree with you on this point. He's he's great.
0: <laughs> yeah, really legendary.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: What about, have you got
1: another one? To- um, I think my last one is, I haven't got many, excellent. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think I want to go for a pretty obvious one, I guess. Um, I'm going to go for Sylvester Stallone as Rocky. Um, because have you seen Rocky films like many times or
0: Um, I am I'm pretty sure I've seen I don't remember them very well but I'm pretty sure I've seen at least the first one Mm. I know I've definitely seen the two Creed films
1: yeah Um, I think for me the Rocky character is very like a unique like lightning bolt sort of thing Um, I mean for those who don't know the behind the scenes of this character and the first Rocky movie, in fact, was um, Stallone was you know a very poor, not working actor <laughs> um, who was living in like a one room apartment, and he was very lonely and kind of you know depressed. But at the same time, he was his main um, sort of happiness was like a he had a dog and he had this script that this script that he was writing. <laughs> um, so it's very much the behind-the-scenes kind of parallels the first Rocky film. Um, and he essentially wrote this amazing film that I still love, the first Rocky, the first Rocky film. Um, and he gave it to the studio. And the studio, of course, at this point, were like, okay, we'll make the film, but we have to get a different actor than you. Um, and he would not be having that because the story was his story in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so essentially to make the film slash star in the film, he took like a a massive pay cut. Like he sort of got a lot more for that film that I didn't get. Um so the film and that performance and that character already has kind of a that kind of behind the scenes kind of just amazing just uh rags to riches sort of story kind of thing. Um but at the same time the character itself it's just like a it's a weird one for me because whenever and I think it's, I heard Stallone say it in an interview once, and I think it's perfectly, the perfect way to put it. Um, he said something like, "If I, if me, uh, if me Stallone says something, it's not likely that you'll just believe me. Uh, but if I'm, if it's Rocky saying something, then you just, you just believe him. And it's very rare to have a voice like that in your life. Um, mm-hmm. There's something about the way Rocky speaks and the way he acts and how sincere he is and how depressed he is, but not, you know." um I don't know how to put it, he's, he's depressed, but he's not like a, a character who's uh, sad to be around. <laughs> he's kind of has like, a happy face on all the time. Um, and I think that grew pretty believably in the sequels. Um, my least favourite films in the franchise are definitely the third and fourth film. Even the fifth film, which is everyone's most hated film in the franchise, I still kind of at least like more than the third and fourth film because they were trying to go back to the first film, even though it was very blunt and not very well done. Uh, mm-hmm. But coming to Creed, uh, and especially Creed 1 and 2, um, and Rocky Balboa, the sixth film, I think, in the franchise, mm-hmm. having an older version of Rocky and <laughs> having him not only be like lonely and depressed like he usually is, but also kind of having this element where he's he's had a life and it's all over now because everyone's either dead or gone. <laughs> um it's an extra layer of this, like, old man depression. <laughs> and, again, he's, he's, he's the only thing that he does now is kind of... And it's this amazing scene in the first Creed film where he, he gets his cancer result and his reaction isn't the usual kind of either a panic or a big crying scene, you know, whatever it is. It's kind of like this very still moment where he closes his eyes and opens them again and he just goes, I don't really need the chemotherapy or whatever and I'll just keep on going and keep it a secret. And he has this amazing scene later on where he explains why he made that choice where he was like, I decided a long time ago that if I break, I'm not gonna fix myself. Um that I've my my life's been like my life has been lived and it's been a good life. So I, I'm done now. And having that um uh Adonis Creed um character played by Michael B. Jordan kind of be his his second lease on life. Mm-hmm. Um it's something about the rock character that to me is always going to be emotionally engaging no matter what film he is in (laughs) Um, and yeah he's just like to me he's iconic and he's perfect and I love him and I totally agree with the idea that no matter what he says as Rocky you do just believe him Um, and yeah he's one of my favourite characters of all time honestly (laughs) Um, yeah I love him
0: (laughs) yeah I I have to agree I think that he obviously has that really iconic initial round in the first Rocky film which Makes him a great character as is, but I really love the way he's handled in the Creed films.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: The way, again, like he becomes his mentor and he feels like he has just as much of a journey as he does as the the young up and coming boxer. Mm, Yeah. It's great. And I think it's difficult in some ways to to gauge what role is Slice Stallone's best in a way. Because he's done, it feels like he's done so many at this point. Obviously, he also has Rambo.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but
0: I think when you really think about it, it is only Rocky it can be.
1: I think you think you would agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, so... feels,
0: it feels the more real. That's the best way I can describe it. It feels real and quite quite raw yeah. as well.
1: Yeah, there's, there's this great video that I watched that kind of hit the mark on the head for me where it was. It was kind of like a, a video all about how screenwriting rules like how you should have an exciting incident at this point the script is it's helpful but it isn't uh, a rule that you should be abiding by all the time mm-hmm. um, and he did this amazing thing where he went he kind of went through the rocky the first rocky movie and he said imagine if instead of having um, the, the the fight with Apollo Creed be introduced in in like the first you know, I think in the actual movie, it comes in about an hour, an hour and a quarter of the movie in, um, and that hour and a quarter that we have the film is mostly just Rocky, Rocky just having a depressing life, <laughs> uh, being quite lonely and kind of having an interesting, uh, um, interesting start of a relationship with Adri- um, Adrian. Uh, so it's all kind of like a a one hour movie in which scenes sometimes even repeat themselves. Like there's so many scenes where Rocky just walks away into the into the distance and it's like a, a slow piano melody and he's very it's very cold and alone. Um and he says, Imagine if um the Creed fight, the introduction of the Creed fight um, was brought up to the twenty minute mark. Then the story wouldn't be bad but it would be far less engaging, far less emotionally investing because it would just be 20 minutes of his life and then the rest of the film would be this amazing event of his life <laughs> and it wouldn't be the exact same it would mm. feel a bit less like you said like real there's something real about Rocky and I think it's I think it's more often than not because the films don't usually engage with normal screenwriting rules I guess um mm. and yeah I think that character is just perfect <laughs> it really is
0: yeah I think I have to agree yeah, <laughs> you have I mean, to agree. Yeah, I have to. I, I can't, I can't, I can't
1: disagree. <laughs> people don't know, is that I've got to go to the screen every time we do a podcast.
0: Yeah, we've gone to all these great extents to make it make it sound like we're in different parts of the country. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I want to know, he, he's holding close to my head. I better ever discourage yeah. this. No, it's definitely not happening. <laughs>
1: definitely yeah, let's, let's happening. just move on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Um I think I think that's a good point to end on actually.
1: You've not know, got another one you want to go for?
0: I had I had like a few more written down.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I feel like they're not they're not as impactful as any of the ones we've already discussed I feel like they're, mm-hmm. they're the, the big ones that we want to talk about.
1: Yeah. I mean I'm out of characters at this point.
0: <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of Marvel characters written down.
1: Mm.
0: Which probably be if, if I was to make another one I'd say generally all of them. Like, yeah. I feel it'll... like the casting again I'm going to Google the name because I don't want to get it wrong. Right, Sarah, to, Sarah, Sarah Haley Finn, I think.
1: There we go. I think it is it. Sarah
0: Haley. Sarah,
1: Sarah Finn. Okay. Sarah Finn. We're we... <laughs> going for that one.
0: <laughs> Sarah, Sarah Finn.
1: Okay.
0: We're going with that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, the, the general casting across the board for Marvel films has been incredible.
1: Yeah, they haven't really done anything particularly wrong.
0: <laughs> mm. The, I mean, the, the only ones that maybe aren't 100% are ones that got recast and weren't bang on anyway, so...
1: Yeah, yeah. and also, I don't know if Sarah Finn had anything to do with it, but maybe um, the Iron Fist role was a bit kind of... That was a miscasting, in my opinion.
0: <laughs> I mean, have a look. So what she, she's, done, she's done, she's done all the Marvel films. Right. She's done all the TV shows... When, when she did Mandalorian. Oh, okay. She did Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She did she did Extraction.
1: Oh, okay. So they keep on using her for everything. Mm-hmm. Marvel. Lion King. Brothers.
0: Basically, Disney's go-to woman. Yeah. <laughs> she did three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Oh, okay. She did Skyscraper.
1: <laughs> she All did right. the
0: nice guys. All right, okay. Um, what not year I- was um, Iron Fist
1: oh god two thousand sixteen, seventeen. 17 well, it's not 18. on
0: there? so I don't think she did no. she, I don't think she did the TV shows
1: well that explains it <laughs> there we go there we go
0: anyway the, the, the Marvel ones have generally been bang on oh yeah starting all with possible. Robert Downey Jr Scarlett Johansson Chris Evans Benedict Cumberbatch all of all,
1: them. all the crushes
0: yeah, Tom Hiddleston, Chris Hemsworth, yeah, <laughs> Chris Pratt, all of them, um, and much of them have they have the aspects of they made it their own.
1: Yeah,
0: other ones I've got down. Um, Johnny Depp, Jack Sparrow, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, J.K. Simmons, J.J. and Jameson,
1: yeah,
0: Arnie is the T eight hundred.
1: mm-hmm
0: Bruce Willis is McLean.
1: Definitely, yeah.
0: Um, ben Whishaw for Paddington
1: <gasps>
0: oh my god yeah that's true <laughs> that's um they are they have a soft they have a, a special place in my heart mm. um, <laughs> David Tennant is the 11th Doctor
1: yeah that's good that's a good point Sigourney
0: Weaver is Ellen Ripley yeah a weird one I got Bill Murray is Peter Venkman
1: oh yeah okay it's a good point
0: um, Rutger Hauer Roy Batty Oh, yeah. Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Jeff Goldblum for Ian Malcolm.
1: Oh, yeah, just far. Just
0: Jeff Goldblum. Although I suppose you could actually say Jeff Goldblum in Thor Ragnarok, because I'm pretty sure that's Jeff Goldblum <laughs> being Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> uh,
1: what a choice that was.
0: <laughs> in, fact, in fact, you know what? I, I think they just cast him. The whole hmm. thing on the... Is Scar the planet? S- uh,
1: Sakar, maybe?
0: It's a car. Yeah. yeah, that I bet that that wasn't in the script. It's just Jeff Goldblum came on set, started talking about all these random things, and decided, "What class is
1: And then he said, "I want to have a Hulk in the film." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, what else I forgot? My mum suggested Maggie Smith in *Downton Abbey*.
1: I mean, I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to argue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Um, Daniel Radcliffe Harry Potter Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd in Back to the Future
1: mm, yeah
0: most of the Friends cast
1: yeah
0: <laughs> now I'm just rattling off actors
1: all the actors yeah
0: all the ones we've talked about the main ones I feel like I feel like Rocky's a good one to end on mm,
1: yeah.
0: it's one that probably doesn't get talked about enough
1: yeah especially now that it's kind of an old franchise
0: yeah people just sort of, sort of dismiss it which is completely unfair to it really yeah Um, yeah I forgot what I was going to say
1: I I was going to add
0: something (laughs) never mind
1: (laughs) we're very good at our jobs
0: we are, we're excellent we will (laughs) not find a finer pair of podcast hosts in the area
1: (laughs) in one of the
0: areas (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah um, I think shall we round off now
1: yeah we can do yeah do you want to do the outro? Oh, is it me? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> professional. Yeah, so, Prof. Again, yeah, professional. Uh, so yeah, I hope you've enjoyed listening to our podcast about iconic casting class acting roles, especially in the comic book landscape. Um, uh, yeah, if you enjoyed this, we have an Instagram account at Marvel Cinematic Podcast where we are doing daily, re- oh, yeah, daily reviews and weekly podcasts. At, at the minute, we're doing a um, Pixar in review. Mm-hmm. So, we, so far, we went through Toy Story 1 through 4, Incredibles 1 through 2, um, Monsters, Inc. Uh, and yeah, we're going to go forward from there. Do it. What's the next one? I, I don't know. <laughs>
0: like, um, what was it? You know, let's do it, last. Let's do it live on the podcast. People let's, can witness.
1: Behind the scenes. <laughs> behind the scenes. It's
0: like an exclusive. Um, <laughs> now, where were we? Monsters, Inc. was 2004, I believe. Mm. Maybe it's not. Um, <laughs> two thousand and one. I was wrong oh. about that. Oh, two thousand and one. Wow. I did not know um,
1: that.
0: Um Right, so Finding Nemo, I think that's the next one, two
1: thousand and three. Oh okay,
0: okay.
1: I think I sent that one in. And
0: Finding Nemo. Yeah. Mm. Finding Nemo, let's do it.
1: Alright, we're doing that one. You've done it live, <laughs> you've found out live. I mean, a lot of the behind the scenes of our podcast is just, uh, me asking what we're doing and then it's go, yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't really mind <laughs> um, but yeah we are doing the same thing over on our Twitter account at Cinema Marvelous uh, daily reviews Pixar and Review at the Moment and weekly podcast episodes um, pretty soon not sure when we're having a, a podcast episode where we are collaborating with Critic and The Common Man a really good podcast account um And, yeah, we're talking about 2021 and (laughs) what the year might be like. (laughs) Uh, What the year could have been. What, yeah, the year that could have been. Uh, But, yeah, I hope you enjoy listening. And thank you very much. Goodbye. Mm. Thank you very much. Bye.